The Exchange podcast is brought to you in part by your university system, including Granite State College, Keene State College, Plymouth State University, and the University of New Hampshire. Visit usnh.edu slash yours to learn more. From New Hampshire Public Radio, I'm Laura Canoy, and this is The Exchange. Memorial Day weekend is the traditional kickoff to summer, New Hampshire's busiest time for tourism and recreation. But this season, Granite Staters who work in the outdoors are approaching June, July, and August with lessons learned from last summer in mind when trails and patience were sometimes maxed out. Today in the Exchange, looking ahead to summer 2021 and how to be a good steward of our great, our state's great outdoors. Exchange listeners, we welcome your questions. What did you observe with this last summer? What do you hope to see this year? And how are you planning to enjoy your favorite spots in the state with these experiences in mind? Our email is exchange at nhpr.org. And our phone number is 800 892-6477. We're talking with Amy Bassett, Deputy Director of the New Hampshire Division of Travel and Tourism, part of the Department of Business and Economic Affairs. Amy, welcome. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, Laura. And also with us, Johan Hanley, Project Manager with the White Mountain Trail Collective, which organizes projects and volunteer management to improve trails. Johan, thank you for being here. Great. Thank you for having me, Laura. And also with us, Chris Thayer, longtime New Hampshire resident and hiker. He's worked with the Appalachian Mountain Club for 30 years. And Chris, thank you for being here. Great to be back on. Thanks, Laura. Well, all of you, Amy, you first, please. What are you expecting this summer in terms of people coming to enjoy New Hampshire's natural resources? Yeah, well, you know, after last summer, we know that there's a definitely a high propensity for travel this summer with the trend for road trips in, in, in camping and and where else would people want to go is to New Hampshire, because we know that outdoor recreation and scenic beauty is what brings visitors here. You know, our research firm is now predicting that we could see numbers closer to 2019 with about 3.5 million visitors. You know, they'll spend up to $1.8 billion. So, you know, if the weather is nice, we're expecting a very strong summer season. Johan, what do you think you'll be seeing out on the trails? Um, I think we'll be seeing a lot of folks continuing the trend of last year, the increased number of folks going out to hike um, and bike and swim and explore in the woods, um, whether that's on the White Mountain National Forest or our state parks or private conservation lands um, here in the North Country. Um, I, I expect another very busy summer of hikers in the woods with us. So. How about you, Chris? Last summer, the AMC huts and in-person programs were closed even though the trails were busier than ever. Um, what's the plan this summer, Chris? Well, that's right. Last summer, uh, the huts were closed for overnight use. Um, we still staff them for what we call stewardship services. So providing water information, restrooms, public uh, safety. But we, uh, you know, we definitely had roadside lodges that had reduced capacity um, and reduced trail crews and suspended most youth programming and volunteer led activities. As we pivot 
Laura, towards this summer, um, we are taking a cautious phased reopening approach. Actually, some of the spring huts uh, just opened for some of those stewardship services, not quite overnights yet, uh, just this past Friday. Um, and then we'll pivot uh, on June 3rd and, uh, and, and open a little bit more to uh, reduce capacity, um, specific cohorts by bunk rooms, uh, with a hope that we'll return to normal operations uh, when it's safe to do so um, by uh, later summer or, or fall. Um, as, as we all know, uh, you know, following best practices and recognizing the unique social experiences of an AMC hut, uh, we just need to keep those things uh, in mind. So Chris, what did outdoors groups like yours learn or um, observe from last summer? I'd like to just reflect with all three of you on what we saw in summer 2020 and how we're going to apply that to 2021. But what about last summer, Chris? How would you describe it? Um, well, there was no doubt that uh, there was that demand that, that Amy uh, uh, spoke to earlier. And, uh, and for us, it meant um, really intensive planning, um, understanding, training to protocols and guidance that was really evolving in live time um, and the importance of keeping everyone safe and healthy. Um, you know, there was constant communication, ongoing updates um, were incredibly important with the pace of state and federal regulations um, and guidelines that, uh, that were changing and evolving um, in the midst of this um, understandable interest of getting out somewhere uh, to, uh, right. uh, to, to blow off some steam. So, you know, so we focused on the planning, focused on the communication and best practices for our staff. Um, for the minimal operations that we had. And then we did um, focus uh, um, on close to home adventures, sharing virtual content, uh, connections with constituencies, like a lot of groups uh, like AMC did uh, last summer to maintain that connection with constituencies, um, help them uh, you know, plan if they're gonna go outdoors, where they were gonna do that as, in as safe a manner as possible. How about you, Johan? Um, what did you see or experience last year in your work on White Mountains Trails? Uh, it was a very unusual summer for us. We, we didn't do a lot of the projects that we had planned to do. Um, a lot of our partner organizations didn't do projects that they had planned to do because housing crews um, was extraordinarily difficult uh, with all the, the precautions that everyone needed to take, the restrictions that needed to happen. Um, so was a lot of reduction in, in what we did um, in terms of maintenance and construction projects. Um, but at the same time, there was a huge increase in, or perceived increase, I think, in, in how many people were coming to use the trails. Um, so it was, it was a very odd summer in that way. We, um, we actually, two of our major projects last year, we just straight closed the trail section that we were working on to the public to make it safer for our crew to work and safer for the public because of the work we were doing. We just decided not to allow people to go through there, which is very unusual. Normally, we just kind of work with the public as they come. Um, yeah. Wow. So you said housing crews was difficult because, you know, people from different households weren't supposed to suddenly bunk together. So people usually, how does that happen, Johan? People usually come up um, to the White Mountains and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to work. And you just, you couldn't do that? Yeah, for a lot of, um, you know, we work with a lot of different organizations. We work with the AMC and hire their cr trail crews to do projects. We work with organizations like the SCA, the Student Conservation Association, 
Northwood stewardship out of Vermont, the Vermont Youth Corps. Um, and so they all have staffs and they have to house those staff on the weekends in the woods. Um, and so because of the restrictions around COVID and how many people could live in a facility, how many people could share a facility, um, there were, you know, most crews had to drastically reduce the amount of people that they could hire for the year, which again, reduced the number of projects that we could actually go out and do. Oh, that's interesting. So at a time of heavy use, when trails could probably need, uh, probably needed more maintenance, you couldn't do it, Johan. Right. Yeah. And I mean, a big thing like New Hampshire's trails, I mean, our, our national systems of trails rely very heavily on volunteers to do what we call level one or basic maintenance, going out, cleaning the drainages, clearing the blowdowns, cutting back the brush. Um, many organizations, the Forest Service, the Appalachian Mountain Club, the Randolph Mountain Club, um, Coral Mountain Club, they all run these great volunteer organizations or, and days to go out and do a lot of this basic maintenance that if it isn't done, our trails will close. That's just the basics of it. Like if that work doesn't get done, the trails will become impassable and they'll have to close. Um, so we saw a lot of volunteerism last year but in terms of the higher level project work, a lot of that got cut back. That's really interesting. And a little bit later in the hour, I'm going to ask you some specifics, Johan, about how you actually go about, you know, deciding which trails need the most attention and, and how you yeah. do that. But Amy, what about the Tourism Bureau? Um, what were you guys looking at and talking about last summer? Yeah, so, you know, we've been watching the popularity of outdoor recreation grow over the last few years. And, you know, we've, um, you know, one of the things we really focused on last year is trying to promote know before you go. Find out what you need to know before you go out there. Find out what you need to know about, um, you know, what restrictions are there. Do some research. Find some, some of the lesser known hiking trails. But with that, we also knew that we needed, as promoters of outdoor recreation in the natural resources, we needed to really take, a, take some responsibility and be leaders um, in, in sustainable tourism. So what we did is we partnered with the Leave New Trace program and, you know, with the goal of empowering residents, visitors, businesses, to be stewards in preserving and protecting New Hampshire's outdoor experiences. You know, we know that this is not a unique situation in New Hampshire, the, the popularity of outdoor um, uh, recreation. So we really looked to leaders like the Leave No Trace program who deal with other states throughout the country who have these same issues that we were facing. So, you know, we, we just took it upon ourselves to find better ways to educate the, the visitors to the state on how to be better um, you know, travelers and to be more respectful of our natural resources. Well, what were some of those issues that you were facing, Amy? So, you know, we've seen um, overcrowding in parking. I'm, I'm sure everybody's seen um, at Trailheads, you know, Franconia Notch is a perfect example. Uh, we had seen and heard of, you know, people just um, being disrespectful to people's personal properties. Uh, trash was a big issue. So, you know, we were talking to our uh, partners, our, uh, you know, other uh, chambers of commerce and, 
and tourism partners who were, you know, just, they were, they were frustrated with how people were coming here and they weren't prepared. They didn't know that they needed to wear masks or they, they didn't know they needed to make, rec uh, to make reservations. So all of these just added up to, you know, like a, a boiling point or a, a, um, a pressure point where, you know, we didn't know what to do with visitors except for con continually um, educating them so that, that they could be a little more respectful and have a better experience themselves. If they're, if they're not prepared before they arrive and they find out that, that something is, uh, isn't the way it, it, it normally is, then you know, that makes a very frustrating um, for the visitor, but also for the business or the attraction or you know, who has to deal with them. So or you know, the it's town, just, yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 you're exactly right because municipalities were seeing that in their, their local you know, town forests or, or, you know, uh, trails that they're, that the town recreation departments um, manage. So we were all seeing a bit of, you know, uh, a crushing point or a point where we were just like, well, where do we go from here? So we knew we just needed to, you know, look at this as, you know, we're bringing people here. We needed to do our part. And, you know, this partnership we're hoping will help with that. I want to ask you about that in just a second, Amy, but I also want to remind our listeners that we are talking about lessons learned from last summer and promoting better stewardship of New Hampshire's natural areas. And Exchange listeners, we always love hearing from you. What outdoor activities are you looking forward to this summer? What did you experience last year? What are your hopes for this summer in terms of New Hampshire's great outdoors? Send us an email. It's exchange at nhpr.org. Once again, exchange at nhpr.org. Or give us a call, 800-892-6477. So, Amy, you mentioned this new partnership you're referring to, Leave No Trace. Is that what you're talking about, or is there more there? Yes. No, it's Leave No Trace. Yeah. So just remind us what that is. We've done whole shows on that, but just remind us, please. Yeah, so Leave No Trace is a is a national um, program by the uh, Center of Outdoor Ethics. Um, they're based in Colorado. They um, have this program called Leave No Trace, and there are um, there are four or five other states that are also doing this program. and And basically, what it is, it's an educational program, and it, it's ways to um, you know try to inform people about how to be better stewards. And, you know, there's seven simple principles we've been working on. We partnered with, um, you know, several uh, organizations within New Hampshire. Uh, AMC, uh, Chris has been working with us on this project. And, you know, ideally it is to get this program and then we are all saying the same thing, whether it's um, town, town recreation departments or municipalities, it's, you know, businesses. We, we as um, business owners um, can educate people. If somebody's coming to a hotel, you'll be able to say, you know, you might not want to go to this hiking spot. You might want to go to this hiking spot. Or, you know, the the seven principles of of leave no trace are simple. It's know before you go. Stick to the trails and camp overnight. Right. Trash your trash and and pick up your poop. Um, leave it as you find it. Be careful with fire. Keep wildlife wild and share the outdoors. They're, they're, they're simple common sense items that, or, that we all need to, to do just to, to be better, better stewards. 
And we've got those principles on our web post for today's show at nhpr.org slash exchange. Chris, what are your thoughts on sort of getting that message out? I mean, it's one thing to have the information. It's another thing for people to read it and act on it. Yeah, I think, um, as Amy said, what's great about Leave No Trace is uh, it's been around for quite a while. It's also a tenant used by all the federal land management agencies and by extension, even a lot of the states like uh, uh, like New Hampshire. And so it's really tried and true. And um, I, you know, I know we have somewhat of a focus today on hiking, but I, I just wanna underscore that what Amy and the state and partners are working on is, is really uh, an ethic for all outdoor activities in New Hampshire, uh, you know, whether it's water-based, uh, whether it's mountain-based, forest, everything in between. Um, for, for us though at AMC, um, we're a national partner of Leave No Trace. We uh, provide Leave No Trace trainings and workshops and, and, and courses. Um, but for me, and uh, I think uh, Leave No Trace and being a good steward really starts at home with yourself, your family and friends, you know, taking those uh, tenets of planning ahead, being prepared to heart, seeking out information. Uh, there's information in droves online. Uh, this campaign will help with that as well to get uh, information out into people's hands. You know, having that necessary gear, the, the plan B. I always sort of think about it also as right-sizing your outdoor adventure. So, so thinking about what works for you. Uh, and that doesn't always mean starting with Mount Washington. Uh, as a, <laughs> Gee, I can't um, imagine but, why not. <laughs> yeah, but thinking about sort of your friends, your family that you're going with, your level of excursion, maybe the time, to, uh, maybe the time allotment you have, um, and then with a nod to Johan and and all of our trail uh, maintainer friends uh, and and our own crews, is just have a sense of community stewardship. You know, what can you do uh, uh, to care for the resource, um, and that includes packing out your trash and those so those types of things, but also getting involved, um, volunteering and advocating for these special places. We're not making uh, new special places, so we have what we have and we need to take care of them. Um, and the last thing I think about is, uh, and this this came to bear in, um, in spades, I think during the pandemic, is we saw a lot of new users um, in an exciting way, but also in a daunting way um, as well. And I think um, if we can, sort of have a have a tenet of uh, being welcoming of others and sharing what you know. There's a teaching aspect, but there's also just a sharing aspect of uh, um, every everyone was a first time user once and putting yourself sort of back in that seat. I, I try to do that each and every time I go into the outdoors. Um, and I'm still, you know, having hiked in the whites for 50 years, I'm still sort of thinking about, you know, what what should I bring? What did I not bring the last time that I should have this time? Those types of things. So, so for me, all, all that education, that thinking really starts at home, uh, discussions with friends and family that you're going with to, uh, to make sure that, that your outdoor adventure, no matter where it is and what it is, um, whether it's to your local park or that 4,000 footer or just a quiet water paddle, um, is, uh, is the right one and, uh, and takes into account the resource and what's needed to have a fun time. Well, and Johan, um, both Amy and Chris mentioned, you know, a big ethic is stay on the trail. When the trails were crowded last year, did some people say, you know, to heck with it, I'm going to bushwhack around or did people tend to stay on? Uh, there was definitely creation of what we call social trails, which are those small braids that leave the main trailway 
Um, a lot of it was trying to get out of the way for you know either somebody coming up or somebody coming down. Everyone was trying to stay socially distanced, so you might step off the trail. Um, the unfortunate thing with that is you know there's the treadway, which is the hard, compacted dirt that we want you walking on. It's the middle right. of the trail. Um, that's already been impacted. That's already kind of dead ground. Nothing is going to grow there. But on the sides of it, there's vegetation, there's soft soil, there's biological material. Every time you step off that treadway and out onto those softer soils, onto that vegetation, you kill the vegetation. Once you kill the vegetation, the soil breaks down. Once the soil breaks down, it erodes off the side of the slope. And now the treadway is two boots wider. And then it's two boots wider. And then it's two boots wider. Um, and all of a sudden, instead of having a four foot trail through the woods, now you have an eight foot trail through the woods, which, you know, if you go to a lot of our super popular trails, you'll see that, you know, they've become basically roads through the woods um, and they're hugely impacted. And, you know, it just creates more erosion problems, which leads to needing to, in, to um, install more drainage or more rock steps, um, you know, so it just kind of wow. snowballs these impacts that happened at these trails. Um, okay, I'm really you know, struck by what you're saying, because, you know, I'm probably guilty as charged, right? Like it's either muddy or there's a lot yep. of people and I want to get going. So, um, yes. but just those little sidesteps can make a, a big impact, you're saying, Johan? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If you do feel the need to step to the side of the trail or whatever, you know, look for a hardened surface. If you step on granite, you're not going to do anything to granite. The New Hampshire granite, it's an amazing building material. We have it. We have this great resource. You know, step on a rock if you need to step off to the side of the trail to let somebody go by. Um, if there are muddy spots on the trail, kind of the best thing for the trail is just to go through it. Um, during our mud seasons in the spring and in the fall when the rains have come and the ground's really soft, like if you're finding the trail is super muddy and gross and you're having a hard time, turn around and go back. The trail isn't going to go anywhere, but if you continue to create those widened spots, all you're doing is furthering that damage and creating more and more mud for the future. Um, yeah, a lot of people so don't turn around and go back, though, Johan, right? Like they plan to come up from Massachusetts or Connecticut yes. and, you know, yes, easier do. for us to say because we live here. But, you know, for them to to turn around and oh, go yeah. back, that's kind of their and whole day. I, you know, I've spent I've been climbing and hiking in these mountains for 22 years or so now. And some of it has been living here and working here in New Hampshire. And some of it has been living in other parts of New England and traveling in and out. And like, I've definitely come here for a weekend with a goal in mind and either been snowed out or rained out or mudded out of an objective. And it's super hard to turn around and go back. Um, so I totally understand that, you know, it's a, you came here, you wanted to do this thing. Um, but you know, like Amy has mentioned um, the the know before you go have another plan you know if, if this objective is not possible is there another thing i can do if i get to this trail and there's nowhere to park is there another trailhead i can go to to access the same mountain is there another trailhead i can go to to access a different mountain that i want to you know take care of this weekend um so well that's a perfect segue to what i want to talk with all of you after a short break you know finding alternatives so that you can maybe avoid the crowds this summer. That's coming up. Also, the impacts of climate change on summer outdoor recreation. Stay with us. This is The Exchange on New Hampshire Public Radio.
this is The Exchange. I'm Laura Canoy. Today, taking care of our trails and our great outdoors. Last year, locals and visitors alike took advantage of the Granite State's environment in the pandemic. Now, as another summer season is upon us, we're talking about lessons learned and the wider concept of what it means to be a better steward of the great outdoors. Listeners, let's hear from you. Are you trying a different approach this summer with your outdoor recreation? What did you discover about your home state last year? Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. It's exchange at nhpr.org. Once again, exchange at nhpr.org. Or give us a call, 800-892-6477. We're talking with Amy Bassett, Deputy Director of the New Hampshire Division of Travel and Tourism. Also, Johan Hanley, Project Manager with the White Mountain Trail Collective, which works to improve trails. And Chris Thayer, longtime New Hampshire resident and hiker with the Appalachian Mountain Club. One more time, that phone number is 800 800- 892-6477 and our email is exchange at nhpr.org. So Amy, before the break, you were talking about adopting Leave No Trace and encouraging people to follow those principles of respecting the outdoors. But beyond encouragement, what tools do you have to, you know, make people respect the resource a little bit more? I mean, is it is it reservations? Is it, you know, more trash barrels? Um, is it dog waste bags? I mean, what is it? You know, that, you know, for us, you know, that's tough because our, our goal is education, right? You know, we're not on the ground, um, you know, on the tourism side, but, you know, in talking to partners, I, I think, you know, if we can spend more time educating people so that they know they are responsible without, without us having to provide you know, those doggy bags or the, the trash barrels and, and making sure people understand that, you know, it is their responsibility. If you're bringing, you know, trash in, take trash out. So, you know, when, you know, I worked for state parks for many years and, and we kept telling people carry in, carry out, what you carry in, carry out. And, you know, we're not asking people who are visiting the state to whatever you bring to the state, you got to bring everything back. We're just using common sense and, you know, get rid of trash in the right spots. And, and you know, uh, again, we, we just focus on, you know, educating people so that they can, you know, travel responsibly and respectfully. And, and but it, it also comes down to us, on, you know, as residents in, in making sure that, you know, that we're being role models of how we want the tra- state treated. And so we're making sure that if we go to the beach and we don't live at the beach, we're taking our trash out. So I think it's education all around on, on how to be better travelers, how to be better stewards and, and, and just in respect all around, I think. And, um, you know, I think those are the tools and, and leave no trace is just another one of those tools to be able to say, here's an educational, um, here's, a, here, here's an educational tool that we can share. Um, one thing that we are we're hoping to come out with this week is an, is something else where um, we it's an overarching um, concept of you know don't take New Hampshire for granted you know because if we don't take care of it now it, it, it might not be here in you know it might not be the way we want it to be in um, in the next 20 years so uh, I think it's all just part of our responsibility as as stewards of our own property. You know, we're, we're, we all own, you know, state residents own the state. So let's take care of our own property, our own backyard. 
Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. So tell us a little bit more about that, Amy, a new campaign. Don't take New Hampshire for granted or for granite, or is there like for a little granite. play on for granite. For granite. Okay. For, a little play yeah, on words yeah. there. Yes, is that is yes. that directed at visitors? Is that directed at, at I, locals? No, it's it that it's you know it's for all of us. It's all of us. We all have to remember we can't take where we live. We can't take the state for granted. And um, it's just you know it is the granite state um, and all. But we just wanted people to you know it's it's all of this educational piece. You know we we're really focusing leave no trace on on outdoor outdoor recreators. And this don't um, take New Hampshire for granted is going to be focused on everybody. You know, it's it's knowing before you go. It's it's being patient when you're here. It's being respectful. And it's just, um, you know, being kind to one another, really. You know, when we come, we don't come here. We don't want people to to show up on a trail and they're they're on an ATV. But then there's bikers. And there's a clash because the ATVers don't think the bikers should be there. Or the bikers don't think the ATVers should be there. So it's, you know, knowing before you go, it's if you're going to an attraction, you might have to make reservations first, or you might need to wear a mask. And, and we want people to not show up and get frustrated or have the business owner have to spend so much time focusing on, on, um, focusing on, you know, dealing with um, unhappy guests, instead of trying to focus on making sure that they're, um, everything is running smoothly. And, you know, we have a shared responsibility um, as being travelers. So we all just need to be part of the, the solution. Wow. Can you teach um, patience, kindness, and respect through a PR campaign, Amy? I'm, you know, um, I don't, I, no, <laughs> I don't know I don't, how, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, you know, we, we're, we've got to be clever about it. Right. Um, and, and, and that was one of the things that drew us to actually leave no trace. Um, we saw this, uh, Colorado did this, uh, this really fun video on the seven principles and it, and it makes it fun. So if we can do things in a fun way, just to remind people, I, I don't think we're teaching them. I think we're just reminding them. You know, basically, when you come, when you when you when you go to New Hampshire or wherever you go, I mean, what is the last thing we've learned in the last year because of COVID is that we need to take some responsibility to know before you go, because you still don't know um, um, what people, um, you know, what a business is going to require when they're not going to require. And, and you know, this don't take New Hampshire for granted is just a reminder. You know, we're not going to change people's behavior overnight. But this is a start. This is just a fun way to package it. And, you know, we want to make it fun. We want to make, don't take New Hampshire for granted. And in these, just these elements under it, you know, being respectful, being, you know, a, being a responsible traveler. And I, let's, let me take respectful out of it. I mean, a responsible traveler is that. And, and to be patient when you come to New Hampshire. I mean, you know, another thing is, you know, we know that travel and tourism and we know that outdoor recreation is a big driver for New Hampshire economy and, and you know, sure. on the ground, um, it, it's it's really important. And, and this year might be even tougher. You know, we, we hear that there's, you know, um, a workforce, upper, you know, workforce, um, you know, there's, there's less of a workforce and and you know, people might go to a restaurant and it might take longer, but 
you know, it's just reminding people that, you know, you're on vacation or you're, you're taking time out and just to be patient and to, to just be kind to one another. And it, it, I don't think we can teach anybody anything. And, and we, you remind people. And if it makes a difference on a percentage, that's just one percentage that we don't have to, to worry about. So well, I, I think it's, it's, it's just us trying to take a step into work with everybody. You know? Well, I definitely want to ask um, all of you about sort of multi users of different trails. Yeah. That is an old, old conflict that has come up uh, here in New Hampshire. You know, hikers, bikers, uh, horseback, ATVs, snowmobiles. But let's go to our listeners. And again, our number here in the exchange is 800-892-6477. And that email is exchange at nhpr.org. So let's go to Nancy first. She lives in Franconia. Hi, Nancy. You're on the air. Go ahead. I think you read my mind, Laura, because I was thinking of this whole topic um, when I was out on my trails last weekend. And for the most part last year, all of the new visitors, all the people who had never been out in the woods before were happy, kind, respectful, and they were learning. They didn't know. Some of these people had never hiked in their lives. They'd never been out in a place where there wasn't a bathroom right around the corner. Wow. Um, so if we can just up our education game, along the lines of go know to go where you're going to go, you know, how to go in the woods. And that includes your dog. Just don't leave your dog bag full of poop on the side of the trail. There isn't a magic fairy that comes through. And I have a trail that goes through my yard, you know? And I'm like, we just, we're like, who's, what do you think people come through and pick these up with them? But, you know, the education process, if we can just get the message out there all over again and take it up, you know, four or five percent we'll be getting really close to perfect and everybody oh, can be happy yeah everybody can come to the state and be happy and people can make money and we can get to a better place but i think it, we need to get the message out on how to use the outdoors appropriately i'm i love your positivity nancy that's great you got a trail running right through your yard and probably uh people left things on it that you didn't want left on it. So thank you so much for calling. Um, I myself am dismayed when people leave their dog waste bags on the trail. Come on, folks. Um, but Johan, what about that? She says, hey, a lot of people who came last year were newcomers. And I love that she says most of them were pretty psyched to be here. They'd never done something as lovely as hike in New Hampshire. Yeah, we, you know, like I said, because we had our areas that we were working on closed, we had a lot less interaction with the hikers than we normally would on a trail year. Um, normally we have people walking through our projects all the time. Um, but so we did a major reconstruction project on the Glen Ellis Falls Trail, um, right at the border of the Androscoggin district um, in partnership with the Forest Service. And I mean, that's a historical trail that was built um, in the 1920s originally by an AMC crew. And then it was kind of reconstructed in the configuration that you know it as now in the 1930s by um, civilian conservation corps crews. Um, so it's very technical masonry work, um, a really elaborate trail, not like your typical hiking trail in the White Mountains. Um, so to handle the masonry work and everything else, we closed the trail while we were doing it. But it's also one of New Hampshire's most popular trails. It's oh, I see. of a mile to a 65 foot tall waterfall that is just gorgeous mm -hmm. so it's super accessible for families for folks who can't hike really far into the woods 
Um, and so we ended up having to station a person in the parking lot all day, seven days a week to talk to people about alternatives of where they could go to have a similar experience. Um, because they, you know, that's what they came to go see that falls because they could get to it. Um, so we had somebody stationed directing them kind of to Jackson Falls um, or up the road just past the Hickam Center to um, the Crystal Cascades. Similar hiking experiences to a similar type of falls. So that, that was a really like a hard job. Yeah. Um, You've come all this way was... to do this thing. Sorry, you can't do this thing. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, the, the, the folks who did it for us reported like 95% of the people were very positive, really open to the fact that we had alternatives and some education for different places for them to go. Um, but there were some pretty negative experiences as well. We had to contact the state police a couple of times to come in and, and speak with folks who didn't want to respect the closure order. So a little varied experience on that. But again, like 95% of the population was very open to the fact that the construction was getting done and we had some alternative ideas for where they could go. Wow. All right. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. It's great to hear from you. And Anthony's calling from New Boston. Hi, Anthony. You're on the exchange. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Thanks Good. For go ahead. Call. Sure. Um, all right. So I would just want to encourage people to hashtag hike local, that you don't necessarily have to go to the white to have a fantastic experience outside, especially with little kids. So I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and we really made it a point to take care of the whites um, and hike local, you know, like and Anthony, I think we're losing you there, but I'm really glad you called. And um, Chris, what about that hike local? Take some pressure off, you know, the White Mountains and Mount Monadnock. Um, go ahead, jump in there, Chris, please. Yeah, Anthony's got a great point before he broke up there. Um, you know, staying local, that was, uh, that, that's always important. It was important last year in the heat of the pandemic, uh, but it remains important to disperse that use. Um, and I've seen any number, I mean, we do it at AMC in terms of the content that we put out and the public engagement and trip planning that we do just person to person. Um, serving our constituencies, but I've seen really innovative stuff. Um, the Forest Society, um, the Society for Protection of New Hampshire Forests had a whole campaign about getting out on some of their um, uh, properties across the state. They have beautiful properties across the state. We have a whole host of land trusts um, located in all of our communities across the state um, that uh, that are great outlets, especially for uh, for younger families. Like it sounds like Anthony's and and even chambers have gotten into some of this. I know up here in northern New Hampshire, up in the Lancaster area, they even have a local peaks challenge um, going on to sort of you know, uh, encourage folks to, to hike um, the, the off-beaten trails, explore new areas, and disperse that use from some of the more popular locations that everybody knows and loves. And of course, when there's great publicity with Franconia Ridge or Mount Washington, those of us in the biz, shall we say, usually sort of say, oh boy, you know, National Geographic promoted oh. Franconia Ridge again. But uh um, but there's a lot more than uh, just some of those iconic locations. Yeah, it's tricky too, right, Chris? Like everybody wants that picture, you know, on social media. Look at me out on Franconia Ridge. It's beautiful. It's classic. Everybody's heard of it. So how do you sort of um, get people more excited about these local hikes that you and Anthony mentioned? 
Well, I think part of that is uh, is sharing that information and using social media channels, you know, in a different way to get that information out. I think public engagement um, uh, amongst partners and really a coordinated attempt by partners. I mean, what Amy was highlighting with the um, um, Don't Take New Hampshire for Granted uh, campaign that'll be coming out is, um, you know, one of the best aspects of that, it, it is private and public partners, land management agencies like New Hampshire State Parks, like the White Mountain National Forest, working together on the creativity of these messages, including alternative itineraries and everything, because uh, there's no doubt we're seeing longer hiking seasons. People are getting out earlier. Um, Which is good, right? Like, we want people can, to get out. Yeah, and there are more people going out in the winter um, as well. Yeah. Uh, the outdoors. Well, um, Nancy in Ringe writes, I talked with someone on Mount Monadnock yesterday about reservations. I'm hopeful that they will continue the reservation system beyond the pandemic. And um, boy, that is a busy mountain, Nancy. Thank you for writing, Amy. So last year, you did have to have reservations on Mount Monadnock and at all state parks, by the way. What about this year, Amy? Yeah, they're going to continue with that. They're going to continue with um, the reservation system. It was very successful, and especially at... Um, Monadnock because, uh, you know, Monadnock is busy year round, but really they get busier. It's, it's interesting. They get busier later in the fall, like up through Thanksgiving. So they will continue with, um, with reservations there. And I, I just wanted to touch on, um, you know, something that we're doing in the uh, state tourism too, is, you know, we talk about, um, you know, uh, you know, White Mountain National Forest being so popular. And, and we've kind of taken a different approach to as we start to promote the state, as we continue to promote the state and the natural assets, is looking at different locations. So we're not focusing on those very familiar spots. So this whole campaign this year, we filmed a lot of it in the Great North Woods. Um, we uh, tried to focus on activities that wouldn't I mean, we do do show hiking. We do show, you know, riding up in your car and Mount Washington and swimming. And but we did try to pick locations that weren't so familiar. And and when we do do promotion within, you know, tourism and we're talking about itineraries, we're really trying to pick out those less popular locations. And while we all love Franconia Notch, we know people know it. And it's well known, so we don't focus on those areas. We're trying to pull out those other locations within the state. And Anthony's right; there are so many beautiful spots with throughout New Hampshire in all the different regions for a short hiker or or, um, um, or just a, to to walk. I mean, you know, uh, one of a, a beautiful spot in in July is Rhododendron State Park. It's in it's in Monadnock and. It's a walk, but you get to see all these natural um, native um, rhododendrons in the state. So there are just so many unique outdoor experiences available for people that it doesn't have to be in those popular spots. And you'll get just as, um, a, as beautiful experience as you would there. So, so you know, you we, saying, we try to do yeah. our part. Are you saying if somebody went to your website, you know, um, or your Facebook page before coming to New Hampshire, they would be sort of gently nudged into other areas of state, the state besides uh, Winnipesaukee and the Whites, which are sort of our two tourism powerhouses? Yeah, we, we, we have lots of different itineraries. You know, we um, this year we're really focusing on the road trips. So we have road trip itineraries 
uh, for each of the regions and, and, and they're really you know, selected. Uh, we have a hiking page. So we have a lot of resources on our page that really shows, we don't want to call them hidden gems, you know, we, because we don't want to, we want people to find their own hidden, hidden gems, right? And, and to discover their new, you know, that's our campaign, discover their new. So don't go to the same places, go to someplace different and, oh, and experience outdoors, you know, and, and add that to your bucket list of discovering something different in New Hampshire. All right, we have to take a very quick break, but when we come back, more of your emails and calls. Our email is exchange at nhpr.org and our phone number is 800-892-6477. This is The Exchange. I'm Laura Kanoy. Today, we're talking about what it means to be a good steward of New Hampshire's natural resources and how those who work in this field are preparing for another busy summer with lots of lessons learned from last year. Exchange listeners, it's great to hear from you. Send us an email. It's exchange at nhpr.org or give us a call at 800-892-6477. Our guests are Amy Bassett with the state's Division of Travel and Tourism, Johan Hanley, project manager with the White Mountain Trail Collective, and Chris Thayer with the Appalachian Mountain Club. And uh, here's an email from James in Hillsborough. I'm going to throw this to you, Johan. Uh, James says, some users like to rake or leaf blow trails. What do your guests think of this practice? Um, and Johan, you're definitely the guy for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we were talking about this a little bit before the show started. Um, mountain bikers especially are, you know, a group that tends to rake or leaf blow their trails to kind of open it up. Wet, slippery leaves can be dangerous when you're moving at high speeds on a bike. Um, it's both good and bad. Um, it clears the trail. It definitely makes it easier to follow. It kind of reduces some of those dangers of wet leaves on trails for especially mountain bikers. Um, it also kind of exposes some of the roots and rocks that can be a tripping hazard for other people. Um, the downside of it is it removes potential soil building material from the trail. Um, you know, like the the biological material that lands on a trail can get broken down and become more new soil to build up that treadway and keep the treadway in place. Um, so without that being on the trail and being crunched down by feet and, and bike tires and stuff, we, we lose that benefit. But so it's, it's a little of both. Um, I think it really depends on what's the focus of that trail. You know, is it majority a mountain biking trail and some hikers use it? You know, um, or is it mostly a hiking trail and and only some mountain bikers use it? Like it's it's just kind of a different. Yeah, just to, to let hiking. listeners know, like before we were getting on air, I was saying to Johan that I appreciated the mountain bikers on my favorite local trails because they did rake or blow away the leaves, and I wasn't you know slipping on roots and rocks that I couldn't see when leaf fall is heavy. But you told me, Johan, mm, sort of it's a mixed bag there. Yeah, a little bit, you know, it, like I said, it, it really depends on what's the focus of that trail, you know, who is the primary user of that trail. Um, from a trail maintenance perspective, multi-use trails are the hardest things to maintain because we have to try to keep in mind, like we want good drainage and good treadway and good walking surface for hikers, but good drainage and treadway and walking surface for hikers don't necessarily lead to good riding experience for mountain bikers so oh, i see <laughs> all right well it's really hard to ride down a big rock staircase in the middle of the woods unless you have a, a really high level of skill and then 
I hear it's a lot of fun. I am not a biker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would do that, but I know yeah. that there are some who would. And I always appreciate those rock staircases, um, you know, on a tough yeah. hike. Helps you out a little bit there. Let's go to another call. And uh, this is Dennis in Coas County. Hi, Dennis. You're on the exchange. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you? Fine. We, we, um, I'm a state representative from District 1 up in Coas County. And uh, I just want to let people know we have a, a resource up here that we don't hear much about on uh, social media or the radio or TV, and that's the beautiful Connecticut Lakes region. We've got Lake Francis, uh, one of the largest lakes in the state. First Connecticut Lake, again, a huge lake. Um, they're grossly underused and uh, just a fantastic resource for people on a weekend. We have restaurants and inns up in this area that are dying to get going for the season. And uh, everything's in bloom. It's beautiful up here. Um, we want people to try and make that extra mile, uh, extra few miles past Lancaster in that area to get up here and uh, see what the area has to offer. Sometimes oh, that term, oh. the Great Northwood, scares people off. They think it's all bears <laughs> and uh <laughs> wild animals and it, it's not what would you call it dennis if not um, if the great Northwoods is maybe off-putting to some folks i think it's uh it's a variety of everything we have hiking trails we have these beautiful lakes um there are uh, the four-wheeler experience up here on the ride the wild trail um there are rentals available um there's any number of things if you like to fish some of the largest fish ever caught in New Hampshire um, have been caught in the North Country. Uh, one last winter in Diamond Pond was the largest fish taken, I think, since the 50s in New England. Um, so if you're a fisherman, it's a great resource for you. If you just love the woods, can't find more of them than you can up here. Well, Dennis, I'm so glad you called. And we had a fabulous trip up to Pittsburgh Um a couple two or three years ago um and it was great and until the pandemic i took a trip to colebrook every year i've done biking along the androscoggin uh up there so um i hear you it's beautiful and boy amy i'm so glad he called because this is a sentiment we hear from the great north woods that you know people kind of once they leave um the notches they kind of forget that there's this whole other world there you know laura and it it it, it is uh it's sad because it's it's if they do forget about it, because it is, a, Dennis is completely right. It is, it is a, uh, it's a special spot. I often tell people um, that it's a place that, it, you know, being from the Southern part of the state, like me, when, you know, I grew up in Franconia, but even to go even further than that, it's a whole different world. It's the, the Connecticut lakes and the backdrops and the forests. It's, it's it's spectacular and there are so many experiences to whitewater rafting a lot of people don't know that we have whitewater rafting in new hampshire and and we do and so we do promote a lot of that um we um uh like i was mentioning earlier we did a lot of our photo shoots in the great north woods we did uh we went to table rock that is our main drop picture for um that's in new york city um it's in Boston on billboards. So Table Rock is our is our um, lead outdoor recreation image for New Hampshire this year. So 
hopefully that'll start bringing more tra more business to the Great Northwoods because he's completely right. It's it's a it is a hidden gem, but there's so much of it, so it shouldn't be hidden, right? And um, there's so much to do. There really well. It's amazing. Dennis, I'm glad you called. Yeah. And oh, just get, yeah. getting back for a moment to what we talked about earlier. And it was so interesting, Chris, to hear Johan talk about, you know, mountain bikers clear the trails so that they don't slip on wet leaves, but maybe that's not so good for the soil. What are your sort of thoughts, Chris, about all the multiple users who want to use New Hampshire's trails? You know, hikers, mountain bikers, ATVs, uh, horses, snowmobiles, I'm probably forgetting somebody, you know, is it possible, Chris, for all these different interests to share some of our trails, not all, obviously, but some of them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as a trail organization, AMC, I mean, we, we have obviously ex some experience carrying and maintaining uh, about 1800 miles of trails in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region in partnership with you know, a whole host of state and federal partners, 375 miles here in New Hampshire. So we we have a, a policy around trail use. A lot of those goals include, you know, continuing the protection of existing trails, minimizing user conflicts, safety concerns, encouraging maintenance cooperation amongst users, um, building those bridges and those ties for the resource, um, promoting responsible use and accommodating new forms of recreation. Um, where it's consistent with conservation and trail maintenance goals. We look to local, state, federal agencies, private landowners to consider single use uh, trails in addition to multi-use trails in each area or park that they are focused on. Um, in some instances that works, in others there are non-compatible trail uses. So much of it is sort of landscape by landscape and really getting the users together and sorting out where it works. And if it doesn't, um, looking to develop those networks. You know, here in New Hampshire, we obviously have a lot of, uh, of, of hiking trails, but, um, but we also have a lot of uh, snow, snowmobile trails and, and ride the wilds. You know, that network that uh, the state representative just spoke of uh, up uh, in uh, Coas County in the North Country. Um, so we've, you know, we as outdoor, as recreation users have taken that approach, um, even the building sort of mountain biking uh, trail networks across, uh, across the state actually are another example of that, of just doing it deliberately and in balance and thinking through and, and trying to do so, recognizing um, all the recreational users. I don't know how often I see cars you know, with bikes on the roof, backpacks in the back, pulling ATVs on a trailer behind them. So, so um, just ready so, to use the trail in, in any way, shape or form. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and just sort of the other aspect is that people come to New Hampshire to, to, uh, um, to have a variety of pursuits, you know, in a season and we should be mindful of that. And we should also be mindful of how we can bring these user groups together to not only advocate for these outdoor resources, but to help maintain them and do so, uh, hopefully in a cooperative way, uh, wow. much like well, the campaign we've been talking about. We will all hope for the best um, this summer and, of course, for good weather. Chris, it was really nice to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thanks, Laura. That's Chris Thayer, longtime New Hampshire resident and hiker who's worked with the Appalachian Mountain Club for 30 years. Johan, it was great to talk to you, too. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on this morning, Laura. I really appreciate it. That's Johan Hanley, project manager with the White Mountain Trail Collective. And Amy, thank you for your time as well. Thank you, Laura, for having me.
It's Amy Bassett, Deputy Director of the New Hampshire Division of Travel and Tourism, which is part of the Department of Business and Economic Affairs. Today's show was produced by NHPR News host and Exchange producer, Jessica Hunt. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. This is The Exchange on NHPR. The views expressed in this program are those of the individuals and not those of NHPR, its board of trustees, or its underwriters. If you liked what you heard, spread the word. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts to help other listeners find us. And thanks.